Part 5. Renewal. Habit 7. Sharpen the saw. It's me time. Keep hope alive. Kid, you'll move mountains. The time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. U.S. President John F. Kennedy. Do you ever feel imbalanced, stressed out, or empty inside? If so, Habit 7 is going to be a huge help because it's been specifically designed to deal with these problems. Why do we call it Sharpen the Saw? Well, imagine that you're going for a walk in the forest when you come upon a guy furiously sawing down a tree. What are you doing, you ask? I'm sawing down a tree, comes the curt reply. How long have you been at it? Four hours so far, but I'm really making progress, he says, sweat dripping from his chin. Your saw looks pretty dull, you say. Why don't you take a break and sharpen it? I can't, you idiot. I'm too busy sawing. We all know who the real idiot here is now, don't we? If the guy were to take a 15-minute break to sharpen the saw, he'd probably finish three times faster. Have you ever been too busy driving to take time to get gas? Have you ever been too busy living to take time to renew yourself? Habit 7 is all about keeping your personal self sharp so that you can better deal with life. It means regularly renewing and strengthening the four key dimensions of your life. Your body, your brain, your heart, and your soul. Body, the physical dimension. Exercise, eat healthy, sleep well, relax. Brain, the mental dimension. Read, educate, write, learn new skills, create. Heart, the emotional dimension. Build relationships, RBA, PBA, give service, laugh, learn to love yourself. Soul, the spiritual dimension. Meditate, keep a journal, pray, take in quality media. Balance is better. The ancient Greeks' famous saying, nothing over much, reminds us of the importance of balance and doing everything in moderation. Some people spend countless hours building that perfect body but neglect their minds. Others have minds that can bench press 400 pounds, but their bodies go to pot or forget about having a social life. To perform at your peak, you need to strive for balance in all four dimensions of life. Why is balance so important? It's because how you do in one dimension of life will affect the other three. Think about it. If one of your car's tires is out of balance, all four will wear unevenly. It's hard to be friendly, heart, when you're exhausted, body. That also works the other way. When you're feeling motivated and in tune with yourself, soul, it's easier to focus on work, mind, and to be friendlier, heart. During my school years, I studied some great artists, authors, and musicians like Van Gogh, Hemingway, Mozart, and Beethoven. Many of them were known for being emotionally messed up. Why? Your guess is as good as mine, but I think it was because they were out of balance. It seems they focused so hard on just one thing, like their music or art, that they neglected the other dimensions of life and lost their bearings. As the saying goes, balance and moderation in all things. Take time for a timeout. Just like a car, you too need regular tune-ups and oil changes. You need time out to rejuvenate the best thing you've got going for yourself. You. Time to relax and to treat yourself to a little tender loving care is essential. This is what sharpening the saw is all about. Over the next several pages, we'll take a look at each dimension, the body, mind, heart, and soul, and talk about specific ways to get your saw razor sharp. So read on. Caring for your body. I hated junior high. I felt awkward and unsure about who I was, and my body started undergoing all sorts of weird changes. I remember my first day of gym class. I had bought my first jock ever, but I had no idea how to put it on. And all of us boys were so embarrassed at seeing each other naked for the first time that we just stood around in the showers and giggled. 
You may have already found that during your teenage years, your voice changes, your hormones run rampant, and curves and muscles start springing up all over. Welcome to your new body. Actually, this ever-changing body of yours is really quite an amazing machine, but you only get one, and you can either handle it with care or you can abuse it. There are so many ways to stay physically sharp. You can eat good food, get enough sleep, keep good hygiene, do push-ups or crunches in your room. You don't have to pay for a gym membership. Lift weights, take time to relax, go for a walk, dance, do yoga, or try a hundred other things. For now, let's focus on nutrition and exercise. You are what you eat. There's much truth to the expression, you are what you eat. I'm not an expert in nutrition, but I have found two rules of thumb to keep in mind. First rule of thumb, listen to your body, pay careful attention to how different foods make you feel, and from that, develop your own handful of do's and don'ts. For example, whenever I eat a big meal right before bed, I feel horrible in the morning. And whenever I eat too many nachos or too much pizza, I get a grease rush. Have you ever had one of those? These are my don'ts. On the other hand, I've learned that eating lots of fruit and drinking tons of water makes me feel on top of my game. These are my do's. Second rule of thumb, be moderate and avoid extremes. For many of us, it's often easier to be extreme than moderate. And so we find ourselves jumping back and forth between eating like a rabbit and eating like a pig. A little junk food on occasion isn't going to hurt you. I mean, what would life be without an occasional Serpy? Just don't make it your everyday fare. Teen obesity is on the rise, and it comes with a boatload of health risks, including type 2 diabetes, asthma, high blood pressure, and other problems you don't want. If you are overweight, it doesn't have to get in the way of the rest of your life. You can take control. It's simply a matter of healthy diet and moderate exercise. Talk with a doctor or health expert for advice. Read up on nutrition and exercise. For starters, just try losing 10% of your body weight at a healthy rate. That means one to two pounds a week and no more. And watch how good you'll feel. The USDA MyPlate is a balanced approach to nutrition that I recommend. As you can see, it encourages us to fill half our plate with fruits and vegetables. The other half should be filled up with whole grains like oatmeal or whole wheat bread and healthy proteins like fish, chicken, nuts, or beans. On the side is a smaller circle for a cup of low-fat milk or yogurt. It also tells us to eat less fast food and processed food, which are often loaded with fat, sugar, salt, and other gook, and to drink six to eight glasses of water every day, which is essential to your body. Just make sure you're near a bathroom a lot. Use it or lose it. One of my favorite classic movies is Forrest Gump. It's the story of a naive young man from Alabama with a good heart who keeps stumbling into success in spite of himself. At one point in the movie, Forrest is frustrated and confused about his life. So what does he do? He starts to run and keeps on running. After running back and forth from one coast to the other two and a half times, Forrest feels better and is finally able to sort his life out. We all feel depressed, confused, or apathetic at times. It's at times like these when perhaps the best thing we can do for ourselves is to do what Forrest did exercise ourselves better besides being good for your heart and lungs exercise has an amazing way of giving you a shot of energy melting stress away and clearing your mind there's no single best way to exercise some teenagers play competitive sports some prefer running walking biking skateboarding dancing doing yoga or lifting weights still others just like to just get outside and move around pain doesn't have to be the first thing that comes into your mind when you hear the word exercise. Find something fun that you enjoy doing so that it's easy to maintain a, a consistent workout schedule. For best results, you should exercise for 30 minutes or so at least three times a week. It's all about how you feel, not how you look. 
but be careful in your quest for a better physique. Make sure you don't get too obsessed with, obsessed with your appearance. As you've probably noticed, our society is hung up on looks. To prove my point, just look at how celebrities are viewed in the public eye. Gossip tabloids praise their beauty and then criticize their flaw and bit of cellulite. By comparison, it can really make a person feel self-conscious about his or her appearance. As a kid, I was very self-conscious about my fat cheeks. My dad told me that when I was born, my cheeks were so fat that doctors didn't know which end to spank. I clearly remember a neighbor, a girl, making fun of my cheeks. My brother David heroically tried to defend me by saying they were made out of muscle. It backfired and muscle cheeks became my least favorite nickname of all. I lost the baby fat in my cheeks in eighth grade, but as my teenage years unfolded, I became self-conscious about other things such as not having a perfect smile like some of my friends did or those zits that keep kept resurfacing like a bad habit that won't go away. Before you start comparing yourself to the beautiful fit men and women in magazines and movies and hating everything about your body and looks, remember that there are millions of healthy, happy teens who don't have high cheekbones, big breasts, rock hard abs, or buns of steel. There are many successful singers, talk show hosts, dancers, athletes, actors, and actresses who have all kinds of physical imperfections. You don't have to pop steroids or get plastic surgery to be happy. If you don't have the look or body type our society has stamped, quote, ideal, so what? What's popular today will change tomorrow anyhow, and the grass is always greener. Someone in your class might wish they had your dimples, even while you're wishing they'd just disappear. Embrace the way you look naturally, even if you don't find it beautiful right now. There's always someone who will, seriously. There are lots of people who love curly hair or crooked noses or gap teeth and find these, quote, eccentricities, beautiful and unique. The important thing is feeling good physically and not so much your appearance. Oprah Winfrey said it best. You have to change your perception. It's not about weight. It's caring for yourself on a daily basis. Real life or art. Besides, if you didn't already know, what you see on screen or on paper isn't real. They're, quote, images. They're, they're tweaked to make the already ripped guys look even more ripped and the already thin women look even thinner. Thing is, those celebs are just like us. They get the occasional pimple, their hair frizzes, and their stomachs spill over their waistband sometimes. The only difference is they have a crew of retouchers to cover these flaws. Beyonce has been known to criticize magazines and clothing brand companies that try to crop out her curves and make her look like a stick figure, knowing full well how much it distorts beauty expectations of her fans. As the New York Times article by Steve Lohr points out, the photographs of celebrities and models in fashion advertisements and magazines are routinely buffed with a helping of digital polish. The retouching can be slight colors brightened, a stray hair put in place, a pimple healed, or it can be drastic, shedding 10 or 20 pounds, adding a few inches in height, and erasing all wrinkles and blemishes done using Adobe's Photoshop software, the photo retoucher's magic wand. They're setting up some pretty unrealistic realistic expectations, huh? Some argue that any retouched photos should be marked so audiences know that what they're looking at is about as real as a computer-generated image. Remember, our fetish with skinny and chiseled bodies hasn't always been trendy. Wouldn't it be nice to have lived in the 18th century Europe when being overweight was in? Or during the Dark Ages when everyone wore baggy robes and no one really knew what your body looked like? Boy, those were the days. Of course, you want to look your best and be presentable, but be careful. Becoming obsessed with looks can be dangerous. It can lead to severe eating disorders such as compulsive eating, bulimia, or anorexia or to addictions to performance-enhancing drugs like steroids. 
Abusing your body in order to be accepted by someone else is never worth it. If you're struggling with an eating disorder, you don't have to feel alone. It's a very common problem among teens. Humble yourself and admit you have a problem and get help from friends, family, or groups that specialize in this kind of thing. At the back of this book, I've listed some organizations that can help. I can quit whenever I want. There are ways to care for your body, and there are ways to destroy it. Using addictive substances such as alcohol, drugs, and tobacco is a speedy way to do the latter. Alcohol, for example, is often associated with the three leading causes of death among teens, car accidents, suicide, and homicide. And then there's smoking, which has been proven to cloud your eyes, cause your skin to prematurely age, yellow your teeth, cause bad breath, triple your cavities, cause receding gums, cause skin on your fingertips, create tiredness, and of course, cause cancer. There are no reasons left to smoke, besides thinking it looks, quote, cool, but even that logic is out of date. According to the Massachusetts Department of Public Health, smoking isn't as attractive as you think. In a study of 8 out of 10 guys and 7 out of 10 girls said they wouldn't date someone who smokes, so if you smoke, you better get used to kissing that cigarette. According to the American Lung Association, the top five tobacco companies spend $34 million every single day on advertising. They want your money. After all, a pack of cigarettes a day adds up to about $2,500 a year or more. Just think about how much you could buy with that. Cigarette companies are especially known for targeting teenagers, as if young people could be more easily tricked. Don't let them sucker you. Now, of course, no one plans on getting addicted. It usually starts innocently enough. Too often, though, quote, gateway drugs like alcohol and tobacco lead to marijuana, and then eventually on to deadly drugs like cocaine, heroin, opiates, acid, and crystal meth. Some people start using these substances to display their freedom, only to find that the addictive drugs destroy their freedom. Believe me, there are far better ways to assert your individuality. Perhaps the worst thing about picking up an addiction is this. You're no longer in control. Your addiction is. When it says jump, you jump. Say goodbye to the whole idea of being proactive. I always feel sorry for people at work who have to go outside to smoke, no matter what the weather is. It's sad to see them standing outside in the pouring rain, puffing away, unable to control their urge. It's easy to think that addiction is something that only happens to other people and that we could quit any time, but in reality, it's hard. As an example, only 25% of teen tobacco users who try to quit are successful. I like what Mark Twain said about how easy it was for him to quit smoking. I've done it a hundred times. Here's a story of the struggle one teenage guy went through to overcome his drug addiction. The first time I used any kind of drug or alcohol was when I was 14. I didn't even know what drugs were. I didn't really care. Everyone just told me how bad they were. My friend said, here, take this. It's pretty cool. So I took it. When I started, I wanted to be cool. After that, it wasn't peer pressure anymore. It was just me. I started doing drugs and drinking more and more, and my schoolwork started slipping. My relationships started to decrease. I was losing touch with my family, and I hated that. My attitude towards things turned around, you know, just a lot of negativity. I also started to see my girlfriend less. Right after I started drinking and drugging, I noticed some physical problems too. I felt real tired all the time. I also lost a lot of weight, about 30 pounds in two months. The other thing was that I would go home and run out of toothpaste or something like that, and I'd cry. I was overreacting big time. My temper was really short. About a month after my 17th birthday, I got caught with drugs in school. They suspended me for a week, and I knew that was the time I needed to get myself back together. So I tried to stop, but I couldn't. It's like when you smoke cigarettes. You can put one down and say you're going to quit. You're going to quit, but it's real hard to stop. 
So I stopped hanging around my old friends and I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous AA meetings and I got a sponsor. AA is a lifelong thing. You take one drink and it messes everything you had built up to that point. A lot of my friends who came to AA have relapsed, but my sponsor really helped me out. Without this program, I know I wouldn't have stopped. Since I've been in this program, it's been the greatest life. I don't drink. I don't drug. My schoolwork is going back up. My family is closer than ever now. Before, I worked at almost every fast food place there is in town because I'd quit within two weeks at each one. Now I've had just one job for about 10 months. I came back to school and I started to care. I was nice to people even when they weren't nice to me. I totally changed my life around. I'm starting to think about college and doing all these things I would never think of before. It's real confusing to me why anyone would spend their high school years drinking. It's a scary life. The refusal skill. Steering clear of drugs is easier said than done. Here are the refusal skill steps that you might want to consider the next time you feel pressure to drink, smoke, or do drugs and don't really want to. Number one, ask questions. Ask tough questions that really make you think about what you're doing. Why would I want to smoke? What will happen to me if I get stoned tonight? Number two, name the trouble. Put a face on what you're doing. Drugs are illegal. Smoking will ruin my breath. State the consequences. Think through the consequences of your actions. I could get arrested if I'm caught with drugs. If I get wasted tonight, someone might try to take advantage of me. Number four, suggest an alternative. Have your own list of fun alternatives ready to go whenever you're being lured in. Hey, why don't we go see a movie instead? Nah, I'd rather play basketball. Number five, take off. If you get caught in a situation that just doesn't look good or makes you uncomfortable, don't worry about what everyone might think of you. Just get out of there. Sorry, everyone, but I'm heading off. Use your creativity to develop your own approach to avoiding the entire scene as Jim did. My friends and I just didn't want all that trouble that came from drinking and doing drugs, so we formed a group. We were about 10 people who were committed to helping our friends stay out of trouble. We hung out a lot together and weekly would go to pasta dinners and plan how we could support each other. The support mostly came in the form of talking to others when we saw them being tempted or floundering and assuring them that they really didn't need to do those things to be cool and then inviting them to come join us in our fun instead. It worked and it was really powerful. Believe me, you're not missing out on anything if you stay away from this stuff. Life itself, said TV chef Julia Child, is the proper binge. You don't need to even experiment. The short-term bangs never work worth the long-term devastation that often follows. If you don't smoke, drink, or do drugs, why even start? If you do, why not get help and quit? There are much better and more natural ways to get high from life. Why not give them a try?